Hello, one and all, and welcome to the Downright Upright podcast. My name is Philip Anthony, and this is the first podcast I will be doing. Um, basically, just an intro so you get to know me and what the podcast is all about. And um, so, first of all, um, let's get into my personal life, <laughs> and uh, we'll. Um, go from there. So I was born in New York City in Brooklyn, actually, um, in the early 60s. Um, I came from a very traditional Italian family. Um, it was just me and my mom after uh, my dad had passed away before my fifth birthday, tragically. He, he died tragically. We can get into that in the future show. But... Um, and it was very hard for my mom at that time. She, um, you know, as you know, at that time, uh, JFK was just assassinated um, a couple of years before that. So this was, and, and, and I remember how she would always talk about how horrible um, of an experience that was for her. Because back then, you know, everybody was, a, you know, very close uh, uh, to their country, very um Love of country was very important in those days. There was no such thing as like, there was, you know, Republicans and Democrats, but it was a more united kind of thing. You just had minor differences, but, you know, obviously today we've we've definitely been fractured. But anyway, getting back to um, what happened. Uh, so after dad died, um, mom got a job and was able to support me uh, on on a single parent salary she was a secretary and in those days you know it was easier to do today i don't think any anyone um you know working in a, a job like that uh, in a clerical job would be able to support a family um a couple of years after dad died she had met another guy and she married him and he ended up being a uh, very abusive man, uh, alcoholic and the whole deal. And uh, when I was 12, she divorced him. But uh, in the interim, while she was married to him, and you know, the whole time from dating to the divorce, uh, he ruined my self-esteem. I was a very uh, shy kid to begin with. And he, um, his verbal insults were very I took them very hard, and it uh, really influenced me uh, with other children, how, playing with other children. I wasn't uh, comfortable, so I got picked on in school a lot. Fast forwarding to the age of 18, um, I graduated high school. A very uh, prestigious Catholic high school. My mother, my mom, again, she worked her butt off to get me to one of the best schools because that was her goal. She she always pushed education. Um, and um, at that time, in, before I went to college, graduating high school, I wasn't even out to myself, really, at that point. Um, because of my Catholic background, you know, you, you, you got to. I don't know if you've ever been to Brooklyn in the '60s, but it was a very macho uh, environment. Um, the neighborhood was very um, 
it was kind of like a gangster kind of environment. Even though they were teenagers, um, everybody was tough. That's a good way to put it. And I, here I am, this really quiet, uh, shy uh, kid who listened to um, didn't listen to heavy metal or rock or anything. I was into all more, more of the bubblegum pop that the girls were listening to. So, yeah, I was very different. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. And um, so finally at 18, when I got to college, I came out to myself. And that was just like, you know, being locked in a closet. The, the feeling of being locked in a closet for for days without breathing air or seeing light. And... Um, when I met other kids, well, I call them kids now because of my age, but, um, you know, when I went to college, um, I uh, met other um, students that were gay as well, and we kind of made like a little group together, and we hung out, and my self-esteem was just great. It started becoming greater and greater and better and better because you know when you see other people like yourself it's a very uh different experience when you think you're the only freak in the world that you're you know you're um you know the only gay kid but i wasn't and i thought that because you know again you're in the catholic i was in a catholic grammar school a catholic high school um very macho everybody was on the football team or the basketball team or something and a jock and I wasn't so um well they were very tough I wasn't and so I came out to myself at 18 and then I also came out to my mom at 21 because by 21 I was in college and I started to like myself and that was the the turning point in my life now up to this point um in my teens and up to 20, 21-ish, 22-ish, um, I was, if you want to call it a Republican, don't hate me, um, <laughs> I was a Republican. Um, my mom wasn't, but I think I did that as a rebellion against, you know, every kid rebels against their parents. They want, they want to do everything opposite. I remember my mom was a Mets fan in New York, and I had to be the Yan a Yankees fan. I loved baseball because of my mom my mom gave me that background in um in baseball and she taught me all about it and I loved it and but I had to be a Yankees fan because my dad who had passed away was a big Yankees fan and when she told me that I, I had to be a Yankees fan um and I had to do something that was the opposite of her so you know that's why I think kids do you know rebel um, so even though she was a Democrat, I wanted to be different. So I became a Republican. And I remember um, in college, I had a class called Suppository Writing, which was a class I took in freshman year in college. And the teacher gave us all a subject. Um, actually, it was a political subject and there were different subclasses to that subject and we we had to pick one so mine was um the death penalty and being the republican that i was i um felt the death penalty was great you know it would discourage people from killing other people and which of course today i know is totally not true people don't contemplate what they're going to do 
uh, most murders are actually uh, either crimes of passion or uh, crimes uh, that are not well planned out. Sometimes they just happen. Um, Premeditated murder, it, it, it does exist, yes, but um, 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 that's where the death penalty would have come in in that, in that case. But I was firmly for the death penalty. I felt it was the best thing. So um, I wrote this paper on being pro-death penalty, and my teachers gave me uh, an A minus, would have been an A plus, he said, but uh, I didn't agree with your premise. Because people don't, and he even explained, you know, people don't, when these crimes take place, they usually happen at the spur of the moment. They're not well planned out like a, like a, you know, on a blueprint. Uh, you know, if, if it happens, it's done. And it's just from that moment. It's, it's hard to um, explain what I'm saying, but I think you, you got the gist. The gist. Um, so, after re, uh, writing that paper and getting that feedback, I was like, oh, it's a typical response, you know, from a Democrat, right? But then, Ronald Reagan became president, and um, for years, you know, after the AIDS uh, crisis began in 19, I would say it was 81-ish, because that's the first time I think I, or 82, when I first started to learn about it. Um, I was already dating someone uh, who ended up being a long-term relationship. So I was with someone at the time, but, uh, you know, um, my friends were all coming down with AIDS, not all of them, but a large amount of them. And I was so scared, you know, and I kept thinking to myself, well, you know, the president of the United States is not even talking about this. It's not even an issue. I mean, I remember um, friends at work, uh, straight friends at work that would, when they used to invite me to their house, would have this nice china, you know, um, nice glasses. Um, but then when I, after the AIDS epidemic began and they knew I was gay because I had come out because obviously I'm in college now and again I'm, I'm, I'm more comfortable with myself and um, they started using plastic forks and knives and paper cups and paper dishes which to me was what you know what's what's this you know and I um, was told by one of the girls that I was very, very close with her. She actually sp spilled the beans and told me that um, this was because she didn't want to get AIDS on her dishes or her... I I'm serious. I mean, I can't make this up. Actually, at work, I remember one girl also telling me that uh, people were saying, don't use that water fountain over there because that was the one near my desk and that was the one I used. So you, if you wanted to get AIDS, you would use that one. Don't use it. Use a different one. So I noticed that nobody would ever pass by my desk to use the water fountain back uh, back in those days in the 80s during this AIDS crisis. So my mind started changing. I started realizing that marginalized people needed um, needed to be spoken for and needed to have a voice. 
and I started becoming more and more active. And um, I had friends from all different backgrounds, uh, Puerto Rican friends, because you know New York is a very cosmopolitan city. So you, I met friends that were Black, Puerto Rican, um, uh, Mexican, Latino, different Latino uh, countries, uh, Asian. So, um, and I started realizing, you know, being gay is is also. Um, not in in the mainstream of of society and what it was in those days, um, so I started gravitating towards people that were going through the same struggle as me. I think that was when I got enlightened, and um, I didn't vote for Reagan the second time. <laughs> I definitely didn't. That was that was the end of uh, my republicanism at that point and um but i did see a lot of friends um pass away from aids i did volunteer at the gay men's health crisis um on my spare time um because i wanted to do make an impact to help somebody to have a voice because they're People that were having coming down with AIDS at that time were isolated. They weren't able to um, be around other people because not only were they embarrassed themselves, but other people were afraid to be near them. So it it was a, a really sad time. And then we fast forward a little bit more to the end of my biography here. <laughs> Um, my mom passed away in 1999. It was the worst day of my life, and it still is the worst day of my life. Um, she was my rock. She gave me my um, conscience. She gave me my morals. She made me understand there were different kinds of people in the world, and you have to respect them. She worked in a hospital with different kinds of... I mean, this hospital that she worked in, she had friends of every persuasion. It was, it was literally like the United Nations. She had Jewish friends. She had black friends. She had Her best friend was this black nurse. Her name was Barbara. And I remember that woman was so full of love. And I, you know, again, when you're, when you're, when you're raised in a very isolated way, I could not that I understand it, but you know, people can dismiss difference. I didn't because I was able to um, embrace it, and I was exper I, I experienced it. I was around people that were different. I loved it. I love I love culture. I love different languages. I love different kinds of food. Um, and that just rounded me out. It made me the person I am today. So when ninety nine, when my mom passed away. I just couldn't live in that house anymore. I was, you know, I was done. I needed, um, I needed to get out of that house, out of New York, because again, it was just me and my mom. I, I, I did have an extended family, who I still talk to this, to this day. We speak on the phone. I see them every every so often, but I just couldn't live there anymore. So what I decided to do was, I well backing up a little bit I had a friend who lived in the house with me but he lived in a different apartment my mom had a three 
we used to call them three families. So you had one floor, another floor, another floor. I lived in the middle. He lived in on the first floor. And um, he was a flight attendant, and he um, said, you need to uh, be a flight attendant. You need to do this. You're getting very depressed, um, sitting in this house all the time. You love to travel. You need to get away. You need to experience life. And this, you just break away. You just need to break away. Um, and that's what I did. I um, I broke away. I, I got a job as a flight attendant. And I uh, moved here to the Twin Cities. And this is where I've been since I was 41. So... Um, I uh, and I made an amazing amount of friends, wonderful friends, very very closer friends here than I've ever met anywhere else. I mean, people here when they when they love you, they love you. You know, they they they're bound, they they're honest, they're loyal. Um in New York I had a lot of friends, but they maybe because of my age, you know, I was younger, but they were very fleeting. I had friends for a long time then they would do their thing and then another group of friends for another long time and then they do their thing so it was never a long um never a long period of time when i would be with a specific group of friends but in minnesota the friends i have now have been friends have been friends of mine since i've moved since i moved here and it was uh um in 2001 um, and then after 9-11, I had to go back, you know, because I was laid off for a little while, I had to go back to New York. And then after that, when I got called back, I did end up selling my house and I moved here permanently. And in 2009, I met my husband, who is now my husband, um, an amazing guy. You know, I just, I, I can't even imagine my life without my husband. Um, uh, he changed my whole life around. Uh, I, I'm the happiest I've ever been right now, and it's uh, because of him. And um, don't let anybody say that gay relationships are fleeting or they're not the same as straight relationships. That's all a bunch of BS. I know my, my gay friends out there that are listening to this, they, they agree with me. It's... Uh, a very, very, uh, uh, um, it's very hard to try to explain to people that aren't gay how the dynamics of our relationships, um, because they, it's we're not as visual. I mean, most gay men or gay women don't really walk in the street holding hands or showing affection in public. We tend to be more discreet about it. Um, I don't know why, but that's just the way it is. Um, but so they think that our relationships aren't as profound, and that's totally wrong. But anyway, um, that's basically a very short synopsis of my uh, of my life up to now. Uh, Nineteen minutes worth of my biography, my autobiography, and now I'd like to get into for the last few minutes of this podcast. I'd like to get into what the podcast is going to be about. I'm going to be um, 
not talking about myself anymore. Trust me. I will not be doing that. But I will, uh, well, maybe if someone asks me, then I'm interviewing. But I'm going to be interviewing people, influential people, um, some people who are business owners or um, man-on-the-street kind of interviews. And I'll be bringing up topics um, and just asking. I'm not going to be giving, I mean, obviously, if it's if it's a very outlandish answer, I'm going to I'm going to chime in, but I I really want to get um, the pulse of of the people that are around me and in the Twin Cities area. I do live in a suburb, so I'd like to get also into the Minneapolis area and interview people there, uh, St. Paul, um, and get a more city view, and then also to the rural areas, because I do have friends that live in the rural areas. I, I can also speak to people out there. I just want to get people's ideas on different things because we're so we're so um, segmented in this country now, um, since especially since um, the 2016 election. And uh, I just want to get a feel of what people think about different things. And why they feel the way they do, and what would their solutions to that problem be, and how do you think they can get we can get people on the same page about that issue? So uh, that's kind of like what I'm aiming at with this podcast, and I call it the downright upright podcast because um, I'm a downright upright kind of person, and I I hope that the people I interview and talk to and speak to also will be frank and honest with me and tell me how they feel and also you know not just criticize everything or agree with everything but to give solutions to give remedies to these issues and see what um their idea or what would lead um them to think this can change or this can be a better this would be a better way to do something um, so anyway, we'll start with um, some of the issues I want to bring up, like the Ukraine. What uh, do people really want uh, us to help in, in a more uh, aggressive way? Um, more, more um, weapons sent there. More, obviously, more aid. We definitely need more humanitarian aid. That that's not controversial at all. These people are just. It's so sad to watch the news. Um, I mean, and the fact that he's attacking um, uh, civilians. I mean, th that to me is just right there. Is you, you know, if that's not a war crime, I don't, I don't know what what is. So I'd like to know what people think we should do as Americans, and what our country, uh, our government should do about it. Should we be, take a more active role in Ukraine? Should we not take a more active role in Ukraine and just help humanitarian-wise or um, maybe um, light weaponry, um, or should we go full, you know, shebang, uh, you know, and help them with uh, planes and heavy artillery and stuff like that? So that's one subject I would like to talk about. The, another one would be CRT, critical race theory. This one to me is <laughs> blows my mind because 
First of all, it's not taught in any public school system in the United States. Now, it is a, 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 a graduate uh, school class uh, for adults who wish to take it, but it's not taught to children ever. Um, but I think it, it's a code, CRT, um, because the way I hear people talk about it is they don't want to hear anything else about slavery or um, the way um, blacks were treated during that time, during the Civil War times, um, because it will offend or it hurts the feelings of white people. This is, this is what their version of it is. And to me, you have to teach history. You have to teach it because you learn from history. If you teach fake news it's, or, or, or shield people or students from what really happened, you're doing a disservice to society, a great disservice to society. So uh, that's another subject I'd like to discuss. I'd like to hear what, um, obviously, what um, some people who disagree uh, with me feel. I'd like to pick their brain and wonder, you know, why are you afraid to tell your children that this is what happened? You know, because I think the actual CRT, which is not spo uh, taught in school, is not the issue at all. It's not the issue at all because it's not taught. And so banning something from being taught when it's not at all is just <laughs> doesn't make sense, <laughs> obviously. So I, um, but I want to know why they don't want to even learn about slavery or, uh, you know, what happened to uh, African Americans in the South during that time. So that's one issue. Another one um, I'd like to talk about is uh, the Don't Say Gay bill that, that just uh, became, it's not a bill anymore, it's a law, um, that passed in Florida. Absolutely insane to me. As a gay man, I'm telling you, you if you can't even bring up that you are, uh, a, a teacher can't even bring up that they have a husband or a wife and they're gay to the students, or the students can't say, well, my two daddies are, um, you know, da 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 If you can't even bring that up in a class when you have, you know, have, how kids share things in class. You know, they get up and speak and talk about their family sometimes or whatever. I think it's absolutely crazy to um, make it a law that you can sue your the teacher for teaching uh, that gay people exist. Now, the sex part to me is that that's all a, a veneer. That's not happening. No, I don't. I don't even think. <laughs> I don't not that I, I I don't even think I know that teachers aren't aren't even teaching children at that age you know from kindergarten to third grade about s even straight sex it's not that's not the time and the place for it uh, gay people are not uh, just a ball of sex you know it's just not it's not what's happening um, when you talk about your husband as I do. It's obvious that I'm gay because I'm saying my husband or 
showing a picture, my wedding picture, you'll see that's, you know. So things like that, um, if, if you, by, by trying to gloss over it and make believe it do, didn't really happen or it doesn't exist or shielding the children, what, do you, what message are you sending them? Aren't you sending them the message that you really... Um, you really don't think this is good, you know, it's something bad. Yeah, so that's another thing. Abortion, of course, you know, the Supreme Court's going to ma be making a decision um, over the summer, I believe, uh, whether Roe versus Ray Wade would stand. That's a precedent. You know, I even took uh, legal studies in, 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 in um, school, and I know that precedent is something that is very, very difficult to overturn. But just because now we have three Trump-appointed judges who happen to be right-leaning, that all of a sudden the law changes? You know, that's kind of weird to me. Um, so um, that's another issue. Um, Ketanji Brown-Jackson also being uh, uh, voted in by the Senate as a um, associate Justice of the Supreme Court. That is a momentous, um, a momentous uh, thing that occurred, a, a momentous occasion uh, that occurred. Because I never thought in my lifetime that that would happen, um, and it happened today. Actually, as I'm the day I'm recording this, I don't know when you'll hear it, but uh, the day I'm recording this. She was voted as the associate uh, justice of the Supreme Court, as one of the nine. And uh, the most beautiful thing was that Vice President Harris was able to announce that. So that was just two momentous things happening at one moment. Um, great, 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 great. I'm so happy. Um, another subject, inflation, gas prices, things like that, uh, people are saying that that's going to be the downfall of the Biden administration. Well, you know, I don't know any presidents in my lifetime that were able to control inflation. And, you know, you blame Jimmy Carter for inflation. You know, he, he was he was dealt a pretty bad hand, too. So um, we'll talk about that and what people think could be a way to solve the inflation problem. Or how could we get gas prices lower? And um, how are we going to um, wean ourselves off of uh, fossil fuels? Because that's the whole thing that's causing climate change, and that's another subject: climate change. You know, we have to we have to do something very quickly because the planet is um, suffering from we're burning coal and oil and. You name it, you know. So th there's, we have to go to cleaner energy. And so um, that's one solution to get gas out of the equation. COVID-19, I would like to talk about that too. Um, a lot of people lost people that they love. And um, it was a very sad time. Almost two years of quarantining and testing and losing loved ones it was a very hard time and socially for this country we weren't able to s invite people into our homes we had to see them in a, in a park or drive 
drive to a parking lot. And I remember a friend of mine, her and I, we, the way we would hang out is we'd, uh, we'd go to a um, fast food restaurant and uh, we'd order our food and then we'd park our cars. Um, so she would, she would face her car one direction, I'd face mine the other, and then our windows would be you know, next to each other, and we would have a conversation like that. I mean, that's the way it was. I mean, that's what we did. Um, and now I'm, you know, I'm able to have people in my house. I go to their house, um, hug and kiss again. It's just, it's just great that the way things are changing back to, hopefully it'll stay this way. I mean, there's still some variants out there. We just, we're not out of the woods, but uh, it's more of an endemic now than a pandemic, thankfully, but um, we still, I still want to talk about it and how it affected people's businesses, their personal lives. And um, what it did for um, their relationships, how their relationships were affected, whether it be their personal relationships or their relationships with their friends or their relationships with their families. Um, uh, if they lost people, um, what happened, etc. Whether they believe in the vaccinations, you know, um, that's an issue, believe it or not, to this day. Another subject, January 6th. That's um, one of the saddest days in our history. And I'd like to talk about that with people and ask people's opinion about that. You know what's what they think, um, what they think about it, what they think um, could prevent a further uh, an, another January sixth. Um, I remember watching it on television the day it happened, um, and I my my jaw dropped. I was like, "Wow, you know, I can't believe we're not living in a banana republic. This is the United States of America." It's absolutely unbelievable that we have um, people who think that they could just, you know, they don't like the results of an election, so they can go barging into the um, to the Capitol and beating up cops and doing all of this nonsense just because uh, uh, they don't like the result. I, I just, I just said, wow, you know, but I didn't think it was going to be. It would ever be like that. You know, I, I know people get angry when the election doesn't go their way, but I never thought that would ever happen in my country. So that's something I'd like to talk about and get people's opinion on how we can stop that from happening, what their opinion of it is, who is responsible, who should be prosecuted, etc. cetera. Um, voter suppression is another one. Absolutely need to discuss that. Um, when um, Republicans saw that they were losing in states where they were, were winning and they lost, they started passing uh, uh, laws that would prevent people of color from voting. I mean, you can't pass water out on a line in, in, in Georgia. I mean, really? Why don't you, maybe, maybe, maybe to, what I would do to solve that problem is instead of having people waiting for eight hours on the line, Maybe have more polling places? Just a thought. 
you know, things like that. Um, book banning is another one. Um, Catcher in the Rye. Um, uh, books that were um, banned that we read in high school. Um, uh, not Catcher in the Rye. I said Catcher in the Rye. I always say that. No, is uh, To Kill a Mockingbird was banned in some schools. And I remember reading that book in high school, I believe, yeah. Um, gun control, um, another subject. Um, do you think having more guns will um, prevent murder or having less? And making it, making only responsible people um, making it easier for responsible people to get a gun and non-responsible people, people who have had um, um, felonies on their record or have been tested as mentally un uh, unstable, et cetera, um, people that are on the um, no-fly list uh, because they assaulted uh, flight attendants or misbehaving or have a uh, lash out aggressively, um, you know, criminals of any sort. You you don't want them to have a gun. So I'd like to talk about that. I mean, because some pe I have people in my own uh, circle who think it's great that there's more guns. So I'd like to know what people that think about that and agree with that um, have to say, and people who don't agree with having more guns. So that's another subject. Uh, the death penalty, I, I, I mentioned that before when I went to college. I had to write a paper on that subject, and I am so opposite of what I, I thought about it back then. I felt that um, back then it was a way to stop people from killing other people, but I didn't realize that, that, that later on that that's not, <laughs> that's not going to stop anybody. Um, Punishment uh, uh, should fit the crime, but um, killing someone, thou shalt not kill, what happened to that, right? Um, so that's another issue. Um, so those are just some. I mean, there's going to be more um, issues popping up that we don't even know about yet. I mean, something else is going to happen. Um, I will have some lighter subjects I would like to talk about other things uh, that, um, you know, like people starting businesses and how they um, uh, started out and became successful or how the, um, uh, the people that wrote books and what made them write a book that they, um, I have a few people lined up to interview about books they wrote. Um, so it's going to be a very interesting show. Um, I I I promise you I I'm not going to ramble in my podcast only this one because I I'm speaking I'm introducing myself basically to the audience and um, giving them my background and you know where I came from and how I became the person I am today and um, how I want to make this a better place. I want the Twin Cities and Minnesota to be, and the, the country as a whole, to be a more unified 
better place to live. And the only way to do that is we have, we have to get people to understand each other. We really do. I mean, you know, as John Lennon says, you know, imagine, you know, imagine all the people. I, 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 I want people to be able to look at each other and right away not have that preconceived notion of what that person's about by their nationality or their language or their accent or their color or their sexual orientation but just who just speaking to the person as a person and getting to know them first i think that's great i think that's the way to do it um because otherwise we could always be you know, I could speak in an echo chamber and speak to, you know, how horrible, I mean, I have my, obviously, I'm, I'm definitely left of center, but, um, and I could just talk about my issues, but it's good to also um, try to get people to come around, you know. Um, somebody was telling me, and I'm going to end with this story, um, that they were paying um, right-leaning people money they they tried this um to watch cnn just for a little while they paid them to and see if they had any change of heart or any difference of opinion of any issues and they found that seven or eight i think i don't i don't remember the exact so don't quote me i think it's seven or eight percent of the people started to understand the other side because they were able to watch different um, news outlets and 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 learn that um, people are people, you know. Don't listen, you know, to people who are trying to divide the country and make people hate you because of what you are. So that, to me, is um, an example of how. Um, Using different media, um, watching different media can maybe bring the country together and have a more harmonious, uh, um, and uh, have more harmonious interactions with other people. You know, because again, I uh, I don't live in a bubble. I I have family, I have friends that have different beliefs, and I. Um, I don't want to. Um, I don't want to be the one to upset them, and I don't want them to upset me. So I, we, we try to talk about things that are more neutral, or we try to understand each other, and um, try to give them a reason why we feel, and don't lash out, and don't get angry and belligerent, you know. So um, that's um, that's the that's probably the goal of this podcast um and um but it's going to be a lot more interaction with other people i don't like monologues um again i'm doing this as an introduction to um so people get to know me and um and see um what subjects are out there and how we can address those issues and subjects so um on that note i, I just want to thank am 90 950 excuse me am 950 for 
this wonderful opportunity to do this podcast and for you to um, be able to share your thoughts with me. Um, and I, again, would like to thank um, the station and everyone there for embracing me and helping me get through this because this is my first one. So, and it's actually going to be the hardest one for me because I'm not good at talking about myself, but I, um, I did have to do this <laughs> because if you don't talk about yourself, people don't know where you're coming from. You know, you have to, you have to know where you where, where the person's coming from. So you know where they're going, you know, you have to have a point A to go to point B. So anyway, so, um, Oh, I did it exactly 45 minutes. I, I wanted to get this in just enough time. Um, so thank you all for listening to the Downright Upright show. And um, hope to see you, or speak to you again in the near future. Thank you and have a great day.